Welcome to a bonus episode of Life in Film. Our guest today is here to talk about her experience of playing Doreen Lawrence in the soon-to-be-released ITV drama, Stephen. A true story of the ongoing struggle by Doreen and Neville Lawrence to achieve justice more than 18 years after the murder of their son, Stephen Lawrence. Our guest today is Charlene White. It's a laughing fail! Charlene, I just wanted to say straight off the bat, I was lucky enough to obviously get to watch Stephen over the last couple of days, and it's such a powerful... I mean, it must have been a really tough project to be a part of, something that you feel... I don't know, I personally, as an actor, would have felt a lot of pressure and weight. Uh, how how was that, going on to, to, onto a project like that, knowing that, you know, these are real people and this is uh, real stakes? It was... Um... I guess because it was such a sort of quick turnaround uh, from getting reading the script to being offered the role, I didn't I didn't sort of have time to indulge in the weight of it. Do you know mm. what I mean? Because like, it was so sort of um, quick, but also I'd just come off the back of Small Act, so I felt like I was already in that frame of mind. I was in that zone. Of sure. Young woman, you know, fighting for the rights of her her, her son. I know because of Stephen, it is uh, because it's a real yeah. story. It's slightly different. Obviously, yeah, you know, obviously, the you know, playing Doreen is a real a real thing. Um, I was well aware of who she is in society, and you know that a lot was known about her sort of publicly, probably yeah. not privately. But she, you know, I tried not to indulge in that, I guess is what I'm saying. I didn't have time. I didn't have time. But I, yeah, I was already in that mindset of strong woman, of fighting for justice, of not letting anybody get away with any shit. Not today. You know, <laughs> not, today. Just, not today. I just was, it's like my brain was already wired for, I'm not taking any of this. I'm not taking this. <laughs> sure. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's as well. Steve McQueen and, and Small Axe is a, obviously another one where, as you say, you must have already been in the kind of mind frame to, to kind of tackle those those really important um, issues. And and it looks as though you've got something else that are you working on it now? Eye for eye? Or is it something that's already been shot? That looks like it's another kind of you going down the same sort of road. Yeah, so it's a bit of a trilogy this at the minute. So the ear for eye is um, Debbie Tucker Green, who's a brilliant writer director, um, and it was a it's a theatre adaptation for film. And and yeah, we're going down something similar again. You know, dealing with a young black man, um, this time American, um, and what it's like just to be outside and be a, a young black man, just you know, trying to live your normal life. And the trials and tribulations of that. So yeah, that's another. I mean, probably, probably an amazing project. Really, really proud. I haven't seen it yet, but I know visually it's going to be fantastic. And the narrative is just, ugh, it's just, is heartbreaking. And I bet there's some humour in there, knowing Debbie. Um, yeah, it's another 
amazing bit of film. So yeah, there's been these three beautiful projects. What an amazing run. And, and as you say, like bringing, you, well, you just mentioned there that um, there's some humour in there. And I, I guess that's so important. I think like I, I that struck me actually about um, Stephen when I was watching that. They put little flecks of humour in there and, and it, it kind of just lifts the weight a little bit while you're watching it, you're thinking, oh, that's a nice touch. It kind of, it's not the whole way through. You're not like tense. Um, and then they bring in that little flex of humor, which is a really nice touch. I think sometimes that's that's lost when you're doing a, a subject matter like that, where you think, well, obviously this is very important. It's very serious. We need to be serious. But I think that humor really um, helps the audience be drawn into it and it feels real. Because um, mm-hmm. even in the darkest times, there's always humor. Mm-hmm. Um, but I love that when I read a script and I think, oh, this is great. It feels human. It feels real. These feel like real people. Yeah. Um, but as I say, yeah, I really enjoyed the show. I thought I thought it was wicked. And um, what was it like working opposite Steve Coogan? Obviously, he's he's got a reputation for being a funny guy and and going and doing a drama like this with him. Um, what was that? What was that like? I mean, it's Steve Coogan, isn't it? I just I've, I'm really funny like that. Uh, because I don't really do starstruck. I sort of do irreverent things. I did, I don't know, share that. Um, <laughs> somebody was fangirling over him and just being like, oh my God, I've seen yourself. Oh, it was amazing. And Steve was going, oh, Charlene, do you want to do you want to tell me how brilliant I am? Well, yeah, being facetious. But I said, I've never heard of you. I've never seen you before in my life. <laughs> Which I thought was quite funny. So I've never heard really, I don't even know who you are. Who are you? Uh, so we could just have a laugh. And yeah, it was great working opposite um, Steve because he's just he's just brilliant. He's just a proper actor, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so even though the material was dark and, 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 you know, at times really heavy, because we all knew we were doing something important, we found like where we could you know try and have a joke here and there but it it felt it just felt too and and important a story and it felt like it was very responsible feeling like I've been really responsible here um to to um to serve the story and serve and serve the character well um but yeah it was great working with Steve it's great working with Hugh as well who you know is off tele and off <laughs> Star Wars. So it was like, <laughs> I didn't feel like I was in this, uh, I was with some acting royalty, you know, real British stalwart, you know, talent uh, that, that's been produced here. It, it, it did feel like I was with some amazing people. That's a wonderful and, cast, yeah. Yeah, and the, the entire cast is great. It's, just, it's a very clever bit of casting, really beautiful cast. And am I right in thinking that this is actually somewhat of a continuation? The IT- ITV did a, a drama in 1999 and actually some of the cast have reprised some of the roles in this. I mean, yeah. it's a long time ago. That's amazing. I mean, it's, it of. is amazing. Um, but this feels like the backup to the next, you know, it's like a supporting document. So you, mm. in the 1999 version, you've got um, the actual murder and, you know, uh, the trauma around that and in this version we start to see the, um i don't know the developments in forensic science you know how yeah. they were able to secure a conviction but also you know where doreen and neville are by this point who are divorced now and 
you know, living completely separate lives and, you know, Dorian has grown into a, uh, an important figurehead um, and is changing and is changing, you know, history. So it's, a, it's almost like a two, it's almost a box set now, isn't it? You watch the first one and then uh, you can really get the full impact of the both sides. You, this side, you get more of the police drama and the emotional impact on um, Neville and Dorian, but I, I imagine the first one's more about, you know, the, tra the tragedy. I mean, it's just all very tragic, mm. more tragedy of um, his passing, of Stephen's passing. I mean, it's his as well. His, I mean, I remember um, as a kid, like his face, so, you know, it was something that obviously we're all aware of. Mm. Um, so it must be kind of strange to go on set and to be dealing with this subject matter, but it's so important. Um, mm. And it's amazing that, you know, the case went on and came back and it, you know, went on for so many years after it happened. It's a, it's an extraordinary story for everyone involved with this. It's a lot of responsibility to get it right as well in terms of all the facts and everything else did what kind of homework did you do for this did you did you get to meet Doreen or was there what kind of process did you go through before filming started uh, for me what I did was um I there's so much online of Doreen Lawrence you know 25 yeah. years of footage of interviews and press conferences and you know um and one of my favorite ones was her Desert Island Discs uh, appearance where she um, shares the music that she grew up listening to, you know, some brilliant tracks on there, brilliant, brilliant, brilliant tracks on there, like Desmond Decker's Israelites. And I've just made this playlist. So then I could just get into the mindset of Doreen. I chose not to meet um, Doreen um, because I wanted to, um, approach this in a more objective way you know as an actor you just want to hone in on your craft it's a it's a it's a skill isn't it to be able to not mimic and it's sort of an impression it's not it's not an impression sorry it's an interpretation of of um, Dorian and I didn't feel it'd be useful to get her to relive the pain of losing a son um didn't think that was necessary. I think much. I think I could watch that on YouTube and get enough about that. I think that would have just been a bit too egotistic. That would have just been something from my ego or something. It's a bit indulgent to ask this woman to relive for my, you know, art your pain. I just didn't think it was necessary because there's enough. There's enough yeah. footage. Of that. Um. And she talks about it at length. She talks about it extensively. So it didn't feel necessary. And also I didn't just didn't want to be beholden to, I didn't want to feel trapped in serving precisely what Doreen says, you know. I felt like I needed some artistic license, some freedom to create um, the character. And also because we wanted to show lightness. The thing you were saying about there's a bit of humor in, 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 in the show. And there is, I mean, Frank and Joe, the writers, they warmed her up a bit. There's a scene with um, Doreen in the kitchen with her daughter talking mm. about men. I would never have been able to uh, explore the, the warmth of Doreen by meeting her, because I'm not sure she would approach me in, in a way that's going to show that, because she's always having to 
you know, be protective of herself, you know, and speak to people who she may or may not trust. So I wasn't, I wasn't confident that that meeting her would unlock the warmth that we were trying to um, portray for Dorian on, on, on this show, on this um, show particularly. Yeah, we wanted to warm her up. I don't think meeting her would have helped that at all. Mm. Yeah, I guess it's difficult, isn't it? Once you've met someone, then you're like, well, how do I not see that? And how do I yeah. do my own interpretation, find the truth and not just do a caricature of yeah. someone else? You know, obviously we, we've touched on what you're doing now and you, you've had this great run of all these wicked things. And um, hopefully that will, you know, you'll keep going with those projects. I wanted to ask how, because on the podcast, we like to ask people how they got to where they are. Um, mm. When people listen to this, I think hopefully it helps young people to get inspired and come into the industry. What was your mm. journey um, into the film industry and into television? Well, it started very young. Anyway, I, uh, my mum put me in, put me in ballet classes when I was about three. I was just, I couldn't understand why she put me in. I think I was just running around all the time, <laughs> dancing Michael Jackson or something. I don't know. I was just a show off. I think I was just a natural show off. And I was doing ballet, tap, jazz, contemporary. I did African dancing. I, I did gymnastics. I was in the brownies. I was that kid, you know, just <laughs> in all the activities. And then my drama teacher, Mr. Petuzzo, he mentioned this television workshop. I don't know if you've heard of it. There's workshop in Nottingham. There was one in Nottingham and one in Derby, uh, Derby, Birmingham. Um, just a pool of young actors, young crazy creatives in a black box in a basement with curtains and some lights in, the, in there, like a lighting rig. And we create magic down there. We create these brilliant, bits of theatre, we'd do telly because it was attached to, um, I, well, uh, ITV, Central at the time, you know, the regional channels, Central was for Nottingham. Um, a few of us come out of there, like Samantha Morton and Vicky McClure went there. And then they <laughs> we used to laugh about, um, you know, drama schools and Rada, uh, Rada, like, like Rada was this posh place that nobody wanted because it's not cool, man. You're not going Rada. <laughs> and then there's a minute when I was going, oh, I think I want to go doing this drama school thing. Let me go to this Rada that none of us like, but it's posh and I like posh stuff. So I applied to Rada and um, uh, it was the only drama school that I applied for as well because I didn't know any others. I learned about the other drama schools on the circuit, you know, when you're doing your auditions and stuff. Yeah, and yeah. Did you go to drama school, Elliot? No, I didn't. I didn't. Oh. I, I kind of did the same thing as you. I was like, oh, I don't want to go to drama school. And then yeah. I, I realised, because I was dyslexic, that my drama teacher was like, you probably won't get in because you won't be clever enough. And she wow. Like, You've got to find a different route. And no, but in the nicest possible way, because that sent me down the correct route. I think drama mm -hmm. school would have kind of stifled me and, and mm. made me come out a bit of a robot so I'm kind of glad that um, mm. I didn't but did you end up going yeah man I went to Rhoda hole in one boom and how was that experience it was all right you know it's fine <laughs> <laughs> right and that's, that's enough said about that <laughs> <laughs> But look at about where you are now, you know, you, you 
everyone kind of you know when you start out you don't really know where it's going to take you but it's got you to where you are so you know it's a means to an end isn't it uh, i mean sometimes you just have to take you just have to do what you have to do don't you at the time it was the right thing we were at workshop and then oh let's just do this drama school thing literally was just taking it in my stride um but if you're young and thinking about it i mean it just depends isn't it there's so many roots into this business yeah that's, so the, that's the hard thing isn't it um that, I mean, that's what that's kind of what inspired this 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 podcast in the beginning because it was kind of like people always ask me. I don't know if they do with you. They're like, "How did you get into it? How did you you know? How do you become an actor?" And it's like, <laughs> I don't know, because everyone's got such a different route and different story, and um, it really is fascinating to hear because a lot of it is luck and it's kind of like right place, right time. It's you know, there isn't a particular route that you can take and go, "Well, that's going to work," because otherwise yeah. we all do it. Um, so that's now it's interesting though that you applied for one drama school and it was RADA, which is obviously one of the best in the country, and you got it straight away. Um, it's a good start, it's a strong start, strong start, maybe a bit too strong because you're like, Oh, do you know what? It's like winning the lottery, or something. you're like, Oh, so what do I do with all this money? Yeah, but where are all my friends? A bit like that, do you know what I mean? Where are all my mates? But where's everyone gone now? <laughs> yeah, where's everyone gone? I don't know any, I don't know these people. <laughs> it was an experience though. I moved to London and did, you know, did all that London life and I don't know. I mean, I've always loved London anyway, but yeah, it was it, it was just an experience. Everybody has these mixed experiences. Mine was all right. I somehow navigated it. I mean, I was, it was quite horrendous in the first few months. I, I bloody hated it. I'd sit at the back writing letters to Steven Spielberg saying, please, if you've got a film for me to do, I'll just come and do it. Honestly, just, I'll do it now. I don't want to learn about the fourth wall. Fuck the fourth wall. <laughs> I don't care. I don't want to be a tree. <laughs> I just mean look out the front. Why has it got all these special names? <laughs> anyway, <laughs> then you just get into it, you know what I mean? But next minute you've got a practice skirt on doing some, I don't know, um, I don't know, some Jacobean dance or something. And you just think that's normal. Is this a weird experience? I kind of feel like I've missed out a little bit. You're making me feel like I should have uh, should have gone to drama school and just tried it out. <laughs> just tried it out. Just even just do one course. It's just you got to try it out. Yeah, <laughs> it's just a yeah. weird experience. Interesting. How I mean, we all have ups and downs when it comes to getting work and career and everything else. How do you cope? Because this is one of the main things as well. Like, I think for an actor, it's really difficult to negotiate the downtime when you're not working and you're waiting for that job and you're, you're doing auditions and do you do you have like any coping mechanisms things that you do that kind of help you in the time that you're not working yeah I mean I'm uh, I do love to do my yoga I think it sounds cliche I was thinking about this I do yoga meditate go for walks in the park look at trees look at hills I'll get in my car I'll drive to the Kent coast and have a look but if you can't do stuff like that I've really got into DIY just oh yeah, got some kit now. It's getting ridiculous. Just bought myself a little mini sander. I've just got all the shit. I've got the drills. I've got the electric screwdriver. I've got so much masking tape. I don't know what I'm supposed to be painting, but anyway, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I is just your, love. Is your home just immaculate now? <laughs> no, it's not even. That's the joke. It's not even ready yet. You know. <laughs> Because you just have all these ideas and then you go and you never don't like anything and then you just get a bit stuck. What I did do is my kitchen, I sort of covered all the cupboards in this sticky stuff. I just, I don't know why I did it. It looks good though. I just got a new kitchen. 
But looks I really good. That's the main thing. Doing <laughs> looks good. It's on a budget. This is what people talk about. Doing things on a budget and that look really expensive. So I just did this sticky stuff on my cupboard. You'd never know. It looks. <laughs> That's the key, though. I did my kitchen recently, and like, we didn't. We kept all the shit, like everything, like the skeleton of the kitchen, and we just replaced yeah. the doors. Yes. <laughs> so then. Then when they're all closed, it looks fine. Open them up, it looks a bit weird because it's kind of a different colour. <laughs> but that's all right. That's fine. <laughs> Don't watch that. Don't watch the inside. Oh. Blonde. But yeah, I started turning everything around. I became a little bit of an antique dealer. I started buying sort of old furniture on Facebook Marketplace. I just was going a bit mental, actually. But um, I did start doing this thing where you journal every morning. Uh, Three pages of just mind dump. Nothing in particular. Three pages, quite a lot. Yeah. Are we talking yeah, A4? Do, don't do A4. That was a mistake. <laughs> I did A4. My arm was killing me. I said, I've got nothing else to say. <laughs> nothing else to say. So maybe a bit of A5 paper. If you do three pages of, I don't know, oh, I'm going to wash my hair later. Before you know it, that you get to about two thirds in and you just have this revelation. Like, you know, life is like a stream and you have to go over the rocks and you know you have to negotiate and you know it's quite interesting and your little mind starts to I don't know clarify things and solidify and crystallize ideas and that's quite useful so little things like that, that. Of, yeah it's, it's a very cathartic that's a good that's a good one I've not heard that one before right I've I'm not an A4 paper, uh, A4 paper though. No, I'll do a little like gone. maybe a posted stamp or something. <laughs> maybe not that small because you won't get to the thirds. You won't get to the uh, cathartic release of. Uh... <laughs> yes. Yeah, I think it's it's important, isn't it, for when you're in and out of work and you're waiting for something to come along. Like, I find like just yeah. DIY is a good one as well. Like I'm terrible about that, so that would never be mine. <laughs> I think IKEA <laughs> flat pack is my my limit, and even then, I get really annoyed um, when I lose a bolt or not, don't know what I'm doing. But I find exercise is my key. That's something where you know that that keeps me kind of sane, and and um, being able to read scripts as well, and and things like that. But everyone has their own, you know, coping mechanisms, and it's. It's a, it's a, yeah. yeah. Do my head in when the gyms closed. That was awful. I really felt that. Uh, but there yeah. was a point where my friend and I we were just sending each other little time lapsed videos. So we said literally we can we have to do half an hour of exercise each day just to mm -hmm. keep us motivated. And then she got bored and I got fat. <laughs> Great result. I was so annoyed. That's the thing, isn't it? This has been a tricky time, and without you know banging on about the whole you know covid situation um because it does tend to come up but that is a very unusual situation for everyone in every discipline every industry to then be like right okay it's like a reset isn't it and i've i've actually found at first very difficult but now i'm like oh we're all in the same boat um yeah. you know even the most successful actors haven't worked for a year or so and um it's kind of like an equalizer i kind of try and take a, a positive spin on that um but ha ha in fact when did you when did you shoot Stephen was that before all of this kicked off or was it was, was it during yeah it was during I mean it was deep within it because we were having we were being tested twice a week 
at the mm. time we were traveling in our own bubbles it was it was deep into it you know mm. we had special masks we all had separate cars nobody traveled together unless you were in a bubble and even that was very rare yeah. um it was yeah it was it was deep in the in the um and we and we were able to get to the end unscathed i don't believe we had any cases or at least we weren't shut down mm. because i know there were a few productions that you know were getting to the end maybe even had three days left and were just having having to close for the whole 10 days yeah. um it was such a tricky time because i was yeah there's another project i really wanted to do but we couldn't make it work because of the 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 quarantine times in between jobs so if even if, if i had days off it's quite tricky to negotiate enough time in between so that i could in, you know go into their sort of cohort and their bubble it was yeah it was it was mind bending it was a mind bending time and you know some people thrived on it i mean i know certainly for me in the beginning anyway i was like great i don't have to go outside i, I don't even like going outside anyway i don't have to go what well, i don't have to socialize this is great <laughs> you know i can stay in wicked and then you know when reality set in it's like okay i kind of would like to see some people it wears off quick doesn't it <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah there's only so much netflix you can watch and uh... <laughs> but um yeah i'm glad we're coming out the other side and emerging victorious and of course some of us have lost people and perhaps grieving um so yeah, I mean, I, I've been one of the fortunate ones in terms of career and stuff that, you know, I've been able to navigate something. Yeah, I mean, that's a that's a real rarity and it must have been a very strange experience doing that, but um, good to keep the wheels turning, isn't it? And as you say, things are, they're picking up now and hopefully the cases are going down and, and um, yeah, it's, we're on the up fingers crossed yeah, but, yeah, yeah, um, yeah yeah there's light at the end of the tunnel now and and um i'm looking forward to getting back into that swing of things and yeah. it just being back to normal and people don't have to worry about masks and everything else but mm -hmm. charlene this has been wicked thank you so much for coming on and um i wish you all the best with with the show and yeah, yeah. and i as well lashana lynch is in there isn't she he is lashana lynch yeah. is in yeah oh, yeah wicked. yeah it's another stellar cast. Honestly, I was just like, wow, these people are <laughs> Um, Yeah. Oh, it's so good to meet you, Elliot. Really lovely great. to meet Thank you. Thank you for having me on. Thank oh, you. It's all good. You're on a roll and I hope it continues and um, all the best with it when it comes out. <laughs> Thank you to our guest, Shiley. The first episode of Stephen will be released on ITV on the 30th of August. We hope we carry a positive message to those of you starting out. Those of you who are veterans in the industry, and those of you who are simply fascinated by film. We are a small independent podcast and we're now part of Patreon. It would be hugely appreciated to have your support and word of mouth. Thank you. For any questions or requests, please email lifeinfilmpodcast at googlemail.com.